Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson. <laughs> you say you want some revelation. Well, here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where DBs and Allegan ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. And I gotta tell you, this is an excellent week for our introduction music, because we have a huge episode, episode number 42, coming at you for the week of January 15th, 2023. And this week's episode is packed to the gills about why President Nelson's five-year ministry is not so different from playing Scrabble. This week is all about Russell M. Nelson. And uh, let's see, we've also got what President uh, Russell M. Nelson's children have learned from him as a father, and I'm going to tackle a fascinating theoretical LDS leadership challenge. So welcome back, DVs. I hope you had a good week off last week. We sure missed you. Well, I, it's great great to be here. This was supposed to be your week off, but uh, unfortunately, Colby Reddish and his uh, wife, uh, uh, one of their children was sick, and, and yeah. unfortunately, they weren't able to be with us this time. So I know that you were supposed to be off this week, but uh, we're grateful mm-hmm. to have you on. I'm glad to be here, and uh, hopefully they uh, can join us next time. It'll be great. You betcha. Now, we've got an absolutely enormous week to go through here. It is really off the hook how many how many articles. And most of these articles here are going to be coming from the official uh, church news sources. But if you want to connect with us, we're at mormonnewsroundup.org or send us an email to colove at mormonnewsroundup.org. We'd love to hear from you. But first, before we get into things, let's. Uh, how about a Mormon news joke of the week? Are you ready for this, Al? I've been waiting for this joke for a long time. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> The bar is way too high for this one, but here you go. An LDS weasel goes into a restaurant for dinner, and the waiter says, I've never seen someone from your church before. Would you like to start with a beer? And the weasel responds, no, I don't drink alcohol. So the waiter responds back, well, what can I get for you then? Well, pop goes the weasel. Okay. I love it. Okay. <laughs> okay, that that one was worth the wait. <laughs> you may need to get out more, Al. If that, I do need you know. to get out more. Okay. Now our first article here is uh, was published here by Sarah Jane Weaver. It's on 5 January 2023. It is why President Nelson's five-year ministry is not so different from playing Scrabble. And the yeah. article says, just as he worked out a formula to ensure a winning hand at Scrabble, the prophet governs his life by following divine laws and receiving blessings. So um, he's following. What, where is he getting these divine? Uh, now, who's setting these divine laws, Al? Um, well, supposedly it comes straight from heaven, right? Uh-huh. And then who is codifying those laws? That would be coming uh, through Russell and Nelson. Right. Okay. So uh, he's following divine laws that he himself has established. Is yeah, that correct? that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, of course, he's the one who's revealing those divine laws. And so is it safe to say he's governing his life by literally following his own rules? Yeah, this is, uh, I, I guess with the Scrabble thing, it sounds kind of like um, playing Scrabble, but you wrote the dictionary. Yeah, right? that's a good, good yeah. analogy. Okay. <laughs> Basically, he's the only person on earth who gets to set his own laws, and the rest mm-hmm. of us must follow or face the consequences. Now, I am a big Scrabble player. I play words with friends mm-hmm. on my phone and also with my family occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like uh, from these articles here that Russell M. Nelson is a winner at almost everything that he tries, whether it's fishing, Scrabble, or becoming the sole vicar of Jehovah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is just there's a lot of adulation this week, including in this article. Now, I am not an expert here, but do you have does one have a hand in Scrabble? Is that 
it's not so much a hand. I mean, you do have a selection of tiles, right? Uh, but it's not like, I, I guess it's, it could be um, considered a hand. I'll, I'll go with it. Well, I, when I watch the Scrabble Championship, they talk about people taking a turn in Scrabble. Yeah. And from my understanding, there's no hand in Scrabble. You know, you have a hand of poker mm-hmm. or it, you have a hand of playing spades because you have a hand. It's in your hand. There's no hand in Scrabble because mm-hmm. it's on the little ledger. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just yeah, you're, you're not holding it in your hand. You have the, yeah, you're right. You have the little ledger that holds your, yeah. your pieces. <laughs> you, you're holding a hand when you're playing poker and you're trying to, you mm-hmm. know, is my hand better than yours? That's not how it works in Scrabble. Yeah. So that's just a small thing here. But um, look, can mm-hmm. you read that next uh, section of that article that we talked about earlier? Okay, so President Nelson confessed to knowing exactly what his wife was going to say next. Quote, you are going to talk about Scrabble, unquote, he quipped. We all laughed, even though we knew President and Sister Nelson were not really joking. Right, so he literally knew what was going to come next, which is confirmed by Wendy. Is this a clear example of prophetic discernment? Um, well... Uh, if it's prophetic discernment, then uh, there's a lot of spouses that have been married uh, for a while that um, have that kind of discernment. <laughs> but, okay, good answer. But is this the closest that we're going to get to a prophecy from yeah. South Temple? Because Could he be. said, you know, he said he knew what was coming next and, and it did happen. This is the closest I've seen. He's had a five-year uh-huh. ministry. Is this the, I believe this is the only real prophecy that I've seen that could actually be testable and has come to pass. As a matter of fact, you, you make a good point there because this is the first time where he has pro- uh, prophesied the future. As far as I know, now listeners out there, mm-hmm. we're um, we're on Twitter. We're at at News Mormon. Let us know if we're missing something. But this is the. I think this could also set the record out for the smallest prophecy that has ever taken place. True. It's uh, <laughs> d- yeah, at, at least the most mundane and unimpressive. <laughs> you talk about setting the bar low, D base. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, what about that next clip uh, that we talked? Can you read the next uh, clip from the article? Okay. So salvation becomes a rather simple formula, President Nelson said. Right. So it's a simple formula. Follow prophet and be blessed. Or in other words, do exactly what I say, when I say, and how I say, or you're not going to be with your family in the next life. And P.S. That place might be kind of hot. That sums it up pretty nicely. Yep. Yeah. It does remind me of Doctrine and Covenants section one, which I would like to slightly modify, which is whether by my own voice or the voice of my servants, it is the same, said the servants. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or the old the, the old mantra of when the prophet speaks, the debate is over. Now, he's talking about following a simple formula. Al, was Jesus a real stickler for rule following and formulas? Not that I recall. In fact, he was all about breaking the rules. He's like, look, the uh, law of Moses has been fulfilled. You know, it's done. <laughs> so... Yeah, or yeah. think about Joseph Smith. Was he big on rule following? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, Joseph Smith was all about breaking through the rules and you know uh, going a, a different direction. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing something different than what we've seen. Our previous examples in the scriptures of Jesus and Joseph Smith—they were not formula followers. They were not. They were not rule. They, they seem to bend the mold. But it seems like President Nelson is wanting to bring everybody back in. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, exactly. Now, the article says also that President Nelson's leadership is much like his 95th birthday interview, nothing to do with power. Do you have a reaction to that? Um, really? Because, <laughs> I mean, it, it, all the sound, every interaction that you have with this guy, even that, he's like, oh, I, I'm going, I know what you're going to say next. You're going to say, I have something to do about Scrabble. Like, that's a power play, right? 
I mean, you know, to have a big 95th birthday uh, interview, it's this guy is all about power. He's been all about power ever since he was put in five years ago. Al, it's only a power play if you put it on the triple word score, though, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I mean, if you build dog on, if you build cat, and it's only Mm -hmm. on the white, the white tiles, you don't. That's not much of a power play. That's like three, three points, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Now, there's another article here that we're going to link all this into our show notes, by the way. And this was on the Mm -hmm. Church News. Uh, This was a Trent Tune, eight January, twenty twenty three. What three of President Russell M. Nelson's children's have learned from him as a father? And mm-hmm. uh, this the subtitle is The Way He is Leading the Church is Exactly an Example of the Way We Were Raised, His Daughter Said. Now, we put together some um, some clips from this uh, article here. Uh, can mm-hmm. you read, uh, kind of summarize what his children said about him in this article? Yeah. Uh, do you want me to just go rapid fire on this? Yeah, yeah. All right. First one. He knows everything. Mm. Calm, patient, and loving. Mm-hmm. He's disciplined. Always engaged. He's very driven, very bright, and catches on fast. He treated mom like royalty. He noticed every little thing. He's always doing something, always engaged. Yeah, so, I mean, these could be multiplied. This is a very, uh, very full of praise and adulation. Let me tell you something, Al. Mm -hmm. My children wouldn't say even 10% of this about me. (laughs) I'd say always engaged, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, after his first wife died, he got engaged very quickly afterwards. Yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah, how do you feel about how Russell M. Nelson's children speak about him? What? Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's not a lot of love there, is there? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. They seem to, I don't know. They, they seem to, I don't well, know. They see, they didn't say one bad thing about him. No, that's true. Well, I mean, and they all know that they're towing the line, right? Absolutely. And if they did say anything, um, that was not uh, totally 100% praiseworthy, do you think it would appear in the church news? Oh, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. So yeah, it we, seems like churches seems, wouldn't put uh, quotes in like that. No, seems like Russell M. Nelson is beloved by everybody who knows him. Now he's 98 years old and shows absolutely no signs of slowing down. And notice that much of the article is written in the present tense. He's mm-hmm. engaged. He's disciplined. He's calm. He knows everything. It's not that he was these things. It's all present tense. Yeah. Now, that, that reminds me that I, I can't remember a senior LDS leader who's featured in the church news whose kid said something like this. Our father... Uh, oh, by the way, it's always a father, but that's beside mm-hmm. that, I won't go down that yeah. road. Our father was a beloved and brilliant in his prime, but he has a hard time remembering things now. And he spends most of his time in his favorite chair in the front room, dozing and watching BYU TV reruns. You ever remember reading something like that? Oh, yeah. What? No. <laughs> well, not, not about a leader of the church. I'll tell you that. No, no. <laughs> And, no. you know, Ballard, uh, Elder Ballard is currently suffering from dementia. There's no article about him. Joseph Worthlin, uh, President Benson, President Monson, mm-hmm. all of these folks had serious mental decline. But yeah. we only hear that this particular narrative of he's brilliant, he's engaged, he's energetic, he's not slowing oh, yeah. down a bit. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, they would say that about all of them. Absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if any of them that is not the case, then we are not told about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we weren't told. 
it seems like there's a very political message there, right? Yeah, we weren't told about the the how bad uh, President Monson's dementia was. We only yeah. really found about that about that later. Yeah. So it's really not just about how the prophet is treated in print. It's also about how he's referenced in the meetings, especially general conference. Now, we covered mm-hmm. this a few months ago. Do you remember there's the general conference corpus, which where you do the keyword searches for uh, different terms in general conference? And that yeah. one goes way back. And do you remember we covered President Nelson being mentioned in general conference. And do you remember do uh, that remember story that. a few months ago? What, what was, what was the deal with that? Um, it seemed like, uh, the consensus was that there was a lot of, um, what sucking up going on. <laughs> I don't, it, this, this only is a keyword search, so it yeah. can't tell if it's sucking up or not. It can only tell you about the mentions yeah. of the prophet while he's alive. Yeah. It doesn't, you'd have to have context in order to, to make a statement that it was sucking up. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. But as far as how often he is mentioned when compared to his predecessors, it, it, it about was off the much, charts. It yeah. was off, yeah. <laughs> he's mentioned like for President Hunter while he was alive, he's mentioned at least five times as much as Hunter. He's mentioned at least three times as much as President Benson. Mm-hmm. He's mentioned about two and a half times more than President Mott's. He is mentioned more than any of his other predecessors. And, and why do you suppose yeah. that is, Al? Um, I. I'm guessing that this has to do with a directive that came from uh, Salt Lake City, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, we, well, I, it's, it's kind of a mystery. I don't know why why it is the case, why we are seeing so many articles, why we are seeing so many mentions, but um, we're going to get into that this week. Well, there's a lot more that we want to mm-hmm. talk about this. Now, okay. if we go back to the article, uh, can you read that next uh, section for us, Al? Yeah. Salvation becomes a rather simple formula, President yeah. Nelson said. Now, this this apparently God is an incredibly transactional person because it's, it's all very formulaic. Two plus two is four. Do this mm-hmm. and you get a blessing. Don't do this and you don't get a blessing because what's the first law of heaven now? Obedience. Exactly. Not yeah. faith, not good works, not being kind. It's about obeying. And it kind of reminds me yep. of Doctrine and Covenants section 130. Mm-hmm. When we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to the law upon which it is predicated. That's so right. it kind of seems to me that the plan of salvation and really apparently the entire construct of the universe is really based entirely upon simple formulaic works, the so-called gospel of works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is there room for divine grace in Russell M. Nelson's spiritual view, or is it completely formulaic? One obeys God's commandments and gets blessed and breaks them and gets damned. Is there any room for grace or mercy or anything like that if it is all based on a formula? I, I don't see how there can be room for grace. I, I think that the, the LDS view of grace is that, well, after you have done everything that you possibly can do, then the grace is that you'll be forgiven for everything that you got wrong. And yeah. that that's not grace. Yeah, that's what it says in uh, in the Book of Mormon in Moroni, I believe that yeah. it is. I believe so. Now, uh, another section of the article, Al, um, there was another highlighted section uh, regarding yeah. how President Nelson has given us the uh, keys to understanding the secrets of the universe, which really, hey, I want to know the secret of the universe. Can you read that section? Yeah. President Nelson had shared the secret for understanding the universe and the physical and spiritual laws that govern it. Okay, time out, time out. out. When did yeah. Russell M. Nelson share a secret for understanding the physical laws that govern the universe? Physical. Um, I don't recall ever hearing him uh, talk about the physical laws that govern the universe. Yeah, I know. I, I, what am I missing here? Nope, I admit that I have... Nothing about gravity, nothing about uh, physical motions or, uh, you know, uh, perpetual motion and things like that. 
Yeah. No, no special relativity, no string theory, no grand unification yep. theory. No, uh, you know, I, I don't remember him talking about yeah. Newton. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to the physical laws of the universe, really Newton is king. Um, as far unless we're in the quantum realm, by the way, I, I just don't know what I'm missing now. Has he published these secrets to understanding these physical laws in in peer reviewed journals, or is no. it just in the Maxwell Institute and the Interpreter Magazine, or maybe it's in the Friend Magazine? <laughs> I don't always read the Friend Magazine now. I, That's true. It could have it could have been in an obscure article from the Friend back in 2019. <laughs> I, I know. I, I know. You, I, I've heard that maybe you don't ever miss an episode, so I'm really not sure. But I just don't remember him talking about. The secrets for understanding the physical laws of the universe. Now, I do. If you go to Deseret Book, Hal, you mm-hmm. will see many of his books. And what are they typically on? Uh, they're typically on obedience, and they're yeah. typically on uh, like uh, the importance of exactness and uh, discipline and things like that. Right? Usually, um, sp- spiritual subjects. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I do hope that he is getting a handsome royalty check from those ghostwritten books, though. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, somebody—it's got to go somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> and as we're going to cover later, if it's going into Ensign Peak, that's a bad idea at the moment. I, that's yeah. we're going to cover that a little mm-hmm. bit later. Yeah. Now, there are some scientific areas in which Russell M. Nelson has opined. First of all, he's denied evolution. Dogs have always been dogs. Monkeys have always been monkeys. And in the 2012 General Conference Address, he referenced the so-called Conklin Print Shop thought experiment, which says that if a bomb blows up a print shop, what's the odds that it reassembles into a dictionary? And the idea is to mock the idea of evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also a young earth creationist. He's espoused literal Adam and Eve, literal flood. Mm -hmm. He's talked about Noah. He did that in the young adult devotional last year, which was his most Mm -hmm. important address, in my opinion, from last year, which we covered very thoroughly on this uh, podcast, didn't we, Al? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's also uh, talked about ancient biblical patriarchs living to be hundreds of years old, no death before the fall. Mm -hmm. Now, here's my question for you, Al. Do these scientific areas in which he has actually weighed in on, do they have anything in common or is it just random? Um, the one thing that they seem to have in common is that they have all been, uh, like disproven. Um, and these were like, uh, big thoughts and theories from like times gone by, like from the fifties when he would have been in school. Right. Right. Yeah. So basically all of these areas that he has talked about with the physical laws that govern our planet and, and science, everything, he has basically aligned himself with a scientific minority, the overwhelming scientific minority, right? Yeah, uh, very much. Like I said, you know, when it comes to science, it, uh, it's constantly updating. So yeah, these were thoughts that uh, were being tossed around when he was in college, but uh, now uh, science has gone a very different direction. Yeah. In fact, he's also, you know, when he dedicated the Iron Science Center at BYU a couple of years ago, he said mm-hmm. that there's no conflict between science and religion, which for me is a real head scratcher, unless you do the following. If there mm-hmm. ever is a conflict between science and religion, there's no conflict if you do what? Uh, disregard science. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Absolutely no yeah. problem. <laughs> now, you know, there, there is, though, I'm going to give him credit, though, because there is one area that he's weighed in with regards to science in which he's in the majority, and that's the mm-hmm. efficacy of vaccinations, specifically encouraging members to get the COVID vaccine, wear a mask. He had that tweeted out yeah. a picture of himself getting the mm-hmm. uh, vaccine. Yeah, that, it, and I find that interesting because uh, that did uh, strike a lot of... Uh, controversy, especially amongst the far right-wing members yeah. of the church. You you bet it did. Now, I, that's my question, Al. Why is he uh, good on science of vaccines and mask wearing, but seemingly so bad on the other areas of science? What is the difference? Um, I guess uh, the smallpox vaccine was invented in the like uh, early 1900s or 
<laughs> so he, mm. uh, it was before his, vaccines have been around longer than uh, modern science. You know, you know. very well could be right. Yeah, vaccines have been around a long time. You know, I kind of look at it a little bit differently, though. I, I think yeah. that there's an irony here because um, the majority of the scientific consensus on vaccines and wearing a mask is that it's very, very safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because vaccines and masks, they're not in the scriptures, right? It's basically True. not even tangentially, not even there's really no way, shape or form that you could pull out out of all the standard works, anything having to do with vaccines and masks, right? That's right. (laughs) So that means that that particular scientific area is completely silent in the scriptures. Therefore, Mm -hmm. he is free to go with the scientific consensus, whereas the scriptures talk a lot about floods and, you know, no death before the fall and how old the earth is and things like Mm -hmm. that. And he can't go against the scriptures in those in, in those particular areas. That's right. Right. So as long as the scriptures are totally silent, he's good on that. So mm-hmm. I just think that that's a little bit of an uh, irony. But back to the article. Uh, let's, okay. uh, that was a small digression. Can you read the section that uh, where he discusses divine law? Divine law. <clears throat> excuse me. Divine law is incontrovertible. President Nelson explained, everyone receives a blessing from God because they were obedient to the law that pertained to that area. Our job is to teach people about these eternal laws. They're called commandments, but they are just as true as the law of lift, the law of gravity, the law that governs the heartbeat. Okay, what do you take away from that section, Al? Uh, You know, he's really muddy in the water there um, when it comes to eternal laws and uh, blessings are given from these laws. I don't know what the law of lift is. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. I, I haven't heard of the law of lift either. And, I mean, and I, 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 I used to go to the gym, bro, but um, <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I, um, I wouldn't consider um, Russell M. Nelson to be swole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say that he's in very good health for a man who's 98 years old, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's wow. in great health. Absolutely. Without question. Now, I hope you don't think I'm impertinent, but uh, I went ahead and Googled the uh, law of lift and spoiler alert, there is no law of lift. Sorry, Al. So I'm now I'm curious, is he uh, creating his own scientific laws? Uh, you know, we're, let's let's discuss that in a moment because yeah. you know it reminds me of that famous scripture in James chapter one verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it say in that verse again? Uh, let him ask of. Uh, well, uh, let him Google it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. If any of you lack wisdom, let him Google it. Absolutely. Because that's what I did. Law of lift. Um, the yeah. only thing I can guess here is that uh, President Nelson is referencing Bernoulli's principle, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is either a force or a principle. It's not a law. And Bernoulli's okay. principle says that the faster an airplane moves, the more lift it has. When sure. the force of lift is greater than the force of gravity, the airplane is able to fly because of thrust. The airplane is able to move forward and fly. It's yeah. not a law. It's a principle or a yeah. force. And it's named after a guy named Bernoulli. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, I do find a little bit of irony here with Russell M. Nelson referencing Bernoulli's principle, which is mostly applied to mm-hmm. airplanes, when his legendary flight of death story that has caused so much controversy seems to violate that principle. Yeah. Because what happens if an engine cunts out in mid-flight? Well, then the, the plane uh, slows down. And as it slows down, it's losing less lift. Uh, mm-hmm. Or not what? Losing lift so it's uh going to go down faster right does it go into a death spiral no not death spiral but it will coast like you'll yeah. glide yeah it, it's it, just, gonna... it just yeah yeah if you watch that captain sully what's that movie with tom hanks uh, captain uh, sully i think it's called sully yeah sully if yeah. you watch that you see what happened when both 
engines got hit by those birds. I don't know. It was like mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And yeah. uh, he, he landed on the Hudson River. And what happened? Did he go into a death spiral? No, he glided down yeah. into the river. Yeah, okay. and because that was really the only option he had. He was going to try to reroute to a different airport, but he knew he was going to be going down uh, faster than he could approach one of those airports. So he just looked for any open space where he could put it down, and on the Hudson was where it was. Yeah, so number one, there is no law of lift. And number two, Bernoulli's principle, it's a little bit ironic that he's referencing that since his most famous miraculous story seems to uh, fly in the face of it. Okay, but let's go on to his second claim. He's literally on solid ground when it comes to the law of gravity because Newton's law of universal gravitation is usually stated that as every particle attracts each other particle in the universe with a force that is proportional to the product of their masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between their centers. I did Google that and I'll hashtag that's a bullseye. All right, well done. He's got it. <laughs> now, let's come to that third one. He said three things. Law of lift, the law of yeah. gravity, and the law of the heartbeat. Al? Yeah. I uh, um, didn't, didn't know there was a, a law go- governing the heartbeat. Uh, you know, I know Al, I'm not a world-renowned, sci- uh, uh, highly acclaimed heart surgeon, but I'm not aware of any uh, physical law. You know, this is I the, mean, this- it's, yeah, it's electric- electrical uh, uh, jolts that uh, get the heart to beat, right? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, that's what I would ask President Nelson, but he seems to think that it is a law, but it just really isn't. I, I, I'm not an expert on it. I really can't say. Open heart surgeon. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Law of gravity. That's never been observed to be violated, at least outside of the quantum realm. But hearts—they yeah. stop beating every single day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, electromagnetism, that's a widely accepted universal law. A beating heart simply is not. Now, no. I know that it is wrong to criticize leaders of the church, even if the criticism is true, mm-hmm. but I just can't help myself. Well, yeah, because hearts stop every day all the time. And that it's not necessarily a terminal thing because sometimes that heart will just start back up again. It's, yeah. And so it, if there's a law that governs the heartbeat, that law gets broken all, more often than the speed limit. Okay. That that's what a yeah. law is supposed to be. It's something that is unbreakable. Hence that yeah. term law. Mm-hmm. Law of gravity, the uh, I don't know, the law of thermodynamics. These things they don't there's no exceptions. <laughs> yeah. So it, it seems to me that he's got a real uh misunderstanding of what a law is. Exactly. So we have three laws and he's uh, two out of three of them are very confusing and highly suspect. Yeah. And that's, definitely not laws. <laughs> exactly. Now, a real quick shout out to my other YouTube channel, which is called Mormon Movie Reviews. The church released a 1962 film called The Search for Truth, which aims to show how science and Mormonism are completely compatible, which I did a two hour review on. And spoiler alert, the film does nothing to harmonize these two very antagonistic oh, bedfellows. Yeah, yeah, they sure tried, though. Yeah, they tried. Now, that was David o, under David O. McKay's leadership. But, but let's get mm-hmm. back to the article. Now, which this article, it seems to argue that Russell M. Nelson is not only a great faith leader, but a great scientist as well. But before we examine that claim, Al, do you, are you familiar with any great Mormon scientists? Uh, um, do any come to mind? Um, the only one that comes to mind is uh, Henry B. Eiringstad, and I can't remember his name. His name is also Henry Eyring. It's oh, a, the, the, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, Henry Eyring, the member of the first presidency, uh-huh. is actually Henry Eyring Jr. Okay. So his dad was a famous chemist who uh, was a dean of the uh, school of um, in the University of Utah. And just mm-hmm. a real quick tangent here. Henry Eyring's father, which is Henry Eyring, the great chemist, he mm-hmm. had a brother named Hardin. And Hardin and my father owned a boat together. That boat was called Big Damage. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm tight with the Eyring's, Al. Oh, that's cool. 
I didn't yeah, know so that. So that's why I'm wondering why I haven't received my general authority call up yet because that's right. I've got connections. Oh, okay. <laughs> but now, a couple of other LDS scientists who come to mind would be Harvey Fletcher, who's a great physicist, and also okay. Philo yeah. T. Farnsworth. What was he famous for? Uh, he invented the television. He was the Idaho farm boy that, uh, yeah, came up with the television. Yeah. And, but if he had known that people could watch R rated movies, he probably wouldn't have done it, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of like inventing the internet, uh, you know, realizing that it was going to be used for porn, but it was really invented for genealogy work, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, there are a lot of great Mormon scientists who have none of those uh, individuals achieved high ordained office, but there have been some uh, Mormon scientists who did. Uh, do any of those come to mind? Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking, let's see, like uh, Orson Bratt was uh, a very uh, studied mind. Yeah, mathematician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, uh, T- James Talmadge, what was he famous for? Yeah, James Talmadge. Um, he wrote Jesus the Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, what? What? Uh, he was also a chemist and yeah. an apostle of the church. Yeah, and also John A. Widstow. There's a building named after him at BYU. He was an apostle. He got a PhD True. from Harvard. He was an agriculturist. So there's been lots yeah. of esteemed. All of these individuals are very esteemed in their fields. True. Now, Russell M. Nelson is the only person who could be considered to be a scientist who has achieved a high church position since the death of Apostle Joseph F. Merrill in 1952, who, by the way, was an engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was, so there was a gap from when Merrill died in 1952 and Russell M. Nelson took over in 1984. We had a 32-year gap where there was no one who could even be remotely considered to be a scientist. I do have mm-hmm. one reason that I think that that is the case, and that's an individual named Joseph Fielding Smith was right in the middle of that time frame. Ah, uh, that would make sense. Because was how, how was Joseph Fielding Smith when it comes to science? Oh, Joseph Fielding Smith, uh, he was the guy who famously quoted when the, uh, we were headed into um, the Apollo missions. He said, oh, no, the uh, man <laughs> will never leave the earth because the earth is uh, the sphere of our realm and we That's won't right. be able to leave it. That's correct. Yeah. So and also he said, if evolution is true, the church is false. He made yeah. it that, he made it that plain. So that's what mm-hmm. he was in the middle of that time frame. So if since he was a president of the Corma 12, very influential, he was not going to call any scientist in between the 50s. And when he, we had to wait for him to die before we could get a, uh, any mm-hmm. apostle who could be considered a scientist. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and this is where I'm going back to the article. Russell M. Nelson, he does not seem to know the difference between a scientific law, which is gravity, a scientific principle or force, which is Bernoulli's principle, and yeah. what he calls the so-called uh, uh, the 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 so-called law of the heartbeat, which is basic, which is basically a physiological bodily function. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, that's that's why I'm wondering here, despite all of what of what we've been discussing, the Church News article incongruously conclaims that Russell Nelson has shared the secret for understanding the universe and the physical and spiritual laws that govern it. And, and remember, just to just to sum up. Many of Russell M. Nelson's scientific views place him firmly in the minority of his learned peers. So this is the question I have for you, Al. When you consider this article's muddled scientific claims and take into account Russell M. Nelson's previously highly questionable scientific opinions, including the three laws that we covered here today, does he belong, does the 17th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints belong at the same table as all of these other esteemed LDS scientists or non-LDS scientists in general? So in other words, Al, is Russell M. Nelson, is he actually a good scientist? Uh, just from this uh, episode, I'd say no. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's hard It's hard for me to come to any other yeah. conclusion when all his statements are just, they're so, they're so mm-hmm. backward, they're so bizarre. Yeah, because it seems like he's really trying to redefine uh, what words mean. And that's 
that's really odd coming from someone who's so hung up on the definitions of words. Yeah. yeah. Let's just go back to the article because I want to tackle something else. And this is a big article. It's a really good article. Um, and it's about that section on divine law. Can you read that section yeah. on divine law? Okay. Divine law is incontrovertible. President Nelson explained. Everyone receives a blessing from God because they were obedient to the law that pertained to that area. Our job is to teach people about these eternal laws. They're called commandments. Okay, so let me ask you this, Al. Are there examples of people breaking commandments, especially in the scriptures, that were blessed anyway? Because he said it was incontrovertible. But yeah. has it ever been controverted? Is that, I don't know if that's a word, but... Oh, has, in the Book of Mormon, all throughout the Book of Mormon, the laws or commandments are, con- are, uh, are broken all the time. And, uh, but that people have to be blessed anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, start right off the bat, uh, the Lord commands Nephi to break uh, the law that says thou shalt not kill, or the commandment that says thou shalt not kill, um, by murdering Laban. Good and, point. Yeah, and so, like, it happens all throughout the Book of Mormon where, okay, well, it's okay to, to break these commandments as long as the Lord tells you to. Right, think about also in the Book of Mormon, Album the Younger, what was he doing before he received a vision of the angel? Uh, he was uh, persecuting the church. Yeah, So, but he was blessed anyway. Also, Paul in the New mm-hmm. Testament, he yep. received a vision. And uh, w- was he following divine law? Um, no, I mean, no. he was persecuting the church as well. Exactly. So also we have David in the Bible. He wasn't removed from his throne despite murder and adultery. And even in our dispensation in the 1820s, 1830s, Joseph Smith, he deceived his neighbors and took their money by claiming to be able to find hidden buried treasures that he never found with his rock in the hat. Nevertheless, and very ironically, God led him to find a miraculous one-of-a-kind gold Bible and raised him up to be his only spokesperson in nearly two millennia. Yeah, so I guess uh, there's another law here that um, is getting glossed over or ignored, and that's the law of repentance, right? I guess so. I'm not yeah. sure. That's why I'm confused. You know, mm-hmm. and also speaking about Joseph Smith, he broke the commandments outlined in Doctrine and Covenants 132 that's right. <laughs> by marrying non-virgins and committing polyandry, but was he cut off or was he punished? Uh, that has been the source of a lot of debate uh, at the time, but now, uh, according to the LDS Church that is currently headed by Russell and Nelson, no, that uh, didn't disqualify him at all. And speaking of a DNC 132, let me give you one more example. Emma was commanded to accept Joseph Smith's wives, or she was personally told that she would be destroyed. But yeah. um, I, I don't. She lived until 1877. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it doesn't seem like she was destroyed to me. No, uh, she uh, took over, uh, let's see, with Sidney Rigdon uh, and her, her own sons, um, formed the uh, community, well, what's now the community of Christ. Yeah, so it seems like there's loads of examples of people who were breaking commandments that were blessed anyway. We could, we could, this list could be much longer. But uh, I, what I want to know is are there people, on the other hand, who actually kept God's commandments but were not blessed as promised? Uh, and let me let me start this off and see if you have any that you can add to it. First of all, we have the two day global uh, the two day global day of fasting and prayer that was back mm-hmm. in April of 2020 that was supposed to turn back the COVID virus. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of Doctrine and Covenants section 82, which should have been applied, which says, uh, "I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, ye have no promise." But the fast mm-hmm. appears to have not had any effect whatsoever, and it has not mm-hmm. been mentioned in the Church News or General Conference since. Yeah. Can you so, think of any other examples of people who kept God's commandments but were not blessed as promised? Well, I was just uh, thinking back to um, like in uh, in the Book of Mormon where uh, the Lamanites were burning and destroying destroying the women and children. 
And right. uh, yeah, Malachi turns to Elman and says, well, let us uh, stretch forth our hands and use the power that we have to stop this. And he says, no, uh, those, those women and children, they hadn't done anything. Yeah, they were believers. Of. I believe it was Amulek in uh, Oh, yeah, that's right, Amulek. It's been a yeah. while since I've read it. Yeah, yeah, but right, yeah, they were believers, <laughs> but they were burned alive. Didn't seem like they were blessed. If you also think about Jane Manning, she was a, a black member of the church, yeah. in the early church, and mm-hmm. um, she was sealed to Joseph Smith as a servant eternally. Yeah. So she gets to be an eternal slave. That doesn't life. seem like a blessing to me, that, and she was no. a very faithful woman. No, I ask anybody who's uh, you know in slavery if it's a, a blessing to be a, a, a slave forever. I mean, not only are you stuck in this world, uh, in your situation, but the next world too. Wow, what what a middle finger! Doesn't seem like a blessing to me. At now, all. I, here's a couple of others. Uh, persons of African American yeah. descent prior to 1978, they could be as righteous as they wanted to, but True. they're not going to the temple. They're not getting the priesthood. Uh, innocent children of gay parents from 2015 to 2019 during the policy of exclusion, they were righteous, but no, you could get a name, mm-hmm. you couldn't be baptized. Innocent firstborn children in Egypt during the Passover massacre, they were righteous, they weren't blessed. Innocent yeah. children that were killed by the flood, Noah's flood. Innocent children killed in 3 Nephi chapter 9. Lamanites whose skin does not turn white as promised in the Book of Mormon, even after a lifetime of righteousness. And also Job in the Bible, was he righteous? Oh, yeah, and he got, uh, he got a, in fact, that's kind of the whole theme of the Book of Job is that, oh, I'm going to show you how just how righteous this guy is. He's going to be righteous even when good things don't happen. So the whole book is about bad things happening to a righteous guy who's keeping exactly. the commandments. So, so far from divine blessings being being dispensed in accordance with precise, well-established scriptural formulas mm-hmm. and easily understandable divine laws, it all just seems like one big crapshoot. Yeah, de- depending on if the Lord's trying to make a point with Satan, right? Yeah. And now, is there any, uh, do you have any closing thoughts on either of these uh, first two articles, Al? Not really, um, but um, it's certainly been a ride. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's a third article here that I want to get get into, which was uh, published on 7 January 2023. And this was uh, uh, published uh, in the Church News. And it says, a look at the President Russell M. Nelson's five-year prophetic ministry and mm-hmm. leadership revelation and invitations from the 17th prophet and president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints set apart January 14, 2028. So this is a third church news article in the same week lauding his personality, vision, mission, influence. And not only are these published in the church news, then they are also repeated and published in the Deseret News and also in KSL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Because I guess in the mouth of two or three or four or five witnesses can everyone yeah. be established. The church trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's uh, amusing and amazing to me is that... Uh, None of these articles mention what most people in and out of the church believe that President Nelson is most known for. And what's that? Disavowing the word Mormon. Yeah. None of them mention it. It's a derogatory term now, right? Well, I guess, is he the one that said it was a derogatory term? Or is this just, uh, it seems like the members have come up with that. It's like, oh, we don't use it because it was a derogatory term used against early members of the church. Uh, That's not true at all. Yeah, if you compare it to what Gordon B. Hinckley said uh, about people, people he said specifically in General Conference, Gordon B. Hinckley, that mm-hmm. people sometimes call us the Mormon Church. They can yeah. do far, and then he said they could do far worse, mm-hmm. meaning that that's not a victory for Satan. It's just that's just the it, it's a simple. He said oh, it's too absolutely. the name of the church is too long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And then there's another article this week. Again, this this was a Sydney Walker, 11 January 2023, 99 announcements and changes in the church since President Nelson became prophet five years ago. And it's a chronological list of all of the things that President Nelson has done. Mm-hmm. And Al, this is an unprecedented level of minor tweaks. Uh, so there's nothing ground shaking in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, there's not. It's just no. randomly here. Uh, some church-produced pageants are discontinued. Sister missionaries mm-hmm. can wear pants. Missionary candidates will get their assignments online. The First Presidency releases a statement on Temple. Um, this is, an, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we're really celebrating the banal here. Oh, yeah. This is, this is, that's exactly what this is, a celebration of the banal. Yeah. It, you know, announcements are now the new, are they the new revelations? Seems like it, I guess. I mean, that, according to what they're saying. Yeah. And it looks like handbook updates are the new prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> and release uh, and routine press releases, that's the new seership. And instead of Joseph Smith translating holy books of scripture, now we get min- minor policy adjustments. I guess the Lord's got his uh, priorities, right? Yeah. Now, if you look at this 99 list, there's some items that are conspicuously absent. First of all, the two-time church-wide COVID fast that never happened. It's kind of like back to the future erased Mm -hmm. from existence. That's right. Shocking. (laughs) Yeah. It's never brought up again by anyone ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now the Ukraine war statement, the church issued a statement on that. That doesn't make the list either for some reason. No. Uh, The Roe versus Wade overthrow, which most people consider to be the number one religious news story of the year. That's not in here. Nope. Now the church bought a $260 million Kent Washington, huge real estate industrial complex a short time Mm -hmm. ago. That's yep. the biggest real estate deal on the East Coast. Did that yep. make it into this list of 99? No. No. And also the church is developing a $600 million Phoenix, Arizona industrial development. That's not on there. The, the AP sex abuse story. Remember, the church uh, responded to this multiple times officially, and President Nelson discussed it in general conference. Did that make the list? No. No. <laughs> Under the banner of heaven. Nope, not there. Uh, Joseph Smith photo. Nope, not there. Nope. No, a marriage for all act. Nope, not there. And the single biggest omission for me is that the Mormon News Roundup is completely absent. They don't know who we are. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're kind of a big deal amongst LDS News. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not too sure about that. No. Uh, but so so we I'm counting them four church news articles this week, just in the church news that is lauding uh, Russell M. Nelson's ministry, leadership, and impeccable character. And out this really got me thinking that perhaps we, we actually, maybe we need a fifth one. Um, yeah. And I have a few potential headlines that I want to get your opinion on. And I, I need an honest rating here from one to 10, with 10 being awesome on these headlines and one being absolutely terrible. And, and please be honest, I need constructive feedback, okay? Okay. So I'm going to read the headline. You're going to give me one to 10. Let's, let's try these headlines. Unsung Corporation Soul CEO still hasn't died. Um, I'm going to give that one a 10. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to summarize every article that I've ever read about President That's Nelson. very straightforward, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that gives you the message that you need as well. Yeah. Okay. So how about this next one? Uh, World Trekking Seer uplifts mostly white Utahns with his ageless, fishing-inspired platitudes. I'm going to drop that one to an eight, mostly okay. because, um, yeah, it's it's not in, uh, uplifting. Okay, and, and it's a little <laughs> or inspired. Long. Yeah, it's a little long. Okay, yeah. so how about this? The, the third one here: most amazing man ever born holds same appointed unaccountable position for 39 years. All right, I like that one. That one's getting a ten. Wow, this <laughs> yeah. is easy. 
this is an easy crowd here. Yeah. Okay, how about this next one? <laughs> uh, self-proclaimed prophet seeks interested disciples. Um, you know, that one's, uh, let's see. That one's pretty good. I'm going to give that one a nine. It's not, okay. uh, it's not a 10, but I'll, I'll give it a nine. Nice. Okay, good. Yeah. Now, how about this next one? Notable heart surgeon prolongs provincial dogmatic theocracy. All right, that one's pretty good too. Uh, I give that I give that one a nine too. Okay, very nice. How about this? A couple last ones. Nonagenarian army veteran. And just real quick, sorry to back it up. A nonagenarian is somebody who's in their nineties. Okay. Okay. So, and he is an army veteran, of course. He yeah. was in the Korean War. Okay. So, mm-hmm. nonagenarian army veteran continues five billion dollar esoteric castle global building spree. I love that you use the term. That's getting a ten for the term castle. <laughs> yeah okay so he's continuing that five you know he's announced mm-hmm. 118 temples they're worth about 50 million a piece so that's five that's a cool five mm-hmm. billion now i know that's yeah. chump change to you exactly all right <laughs> <laughs> now, okay so how about this next one lovable beehive state grandpa promises salvation in exchange for a recurrent tithing donation <laughs> That one's so straightforward. That would get a 10. Oh, okay, nice. Hey, I've got two last ones here. Age-defying revelator loves all of God's children, except members of the LGBTQ community. That one gets a 10, too. That's <laughs> okay. pretty spot right. on. Now, this last one is the toughest one. It's This is a stretch, so it could be tough. Millionaire revelatory geriatric disavows treasured moniker. Oh, wow. That one really, for as much as it, uh, it, for as, as wordy or twisted as it is, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to go with a ten on that one too. Okay, because he got rid of the word Mormon, treasured moniker. Yeah, he did Tre- the treasured moniker. You know, it's, okay. Uh, and we know that Russell M. Yeah. Nelson has earned at least seven million dollars from his church salary. That's not an it not, that doesn't account his royalties from his books or anything else. So he's definitely a millionaire, revelatory geriatric. Yeah. So uh, which one? Okay. So which of those bonus articles titles do you want to see most from the church news this next week, Al? There's your choices. Um, Sun Corporation CEO, World Trekking Seer, uh, Self-Proclaimed Prophet, Notable Heart Surgeon, Nonagenarian, Lovable Beehive State. I I want to see the Nonagenarian. I want to see them uh, say that there's an esoteric castle global building spree going on. (laughs) (laughs) That's very accurate. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. Esoteric castle yeah. mm-hmm. because it's secret stuff that's right right and it's definitely a building spree i think yes I, i'm with you my favorite by the way is millionaire revelatory geriatric disavows treasured moniker i just there's something i love that, that one too yeah it's the because all of the words are the same length it's just there's something about mm-hmm. that that i like okay yeah you know, uh so this is the thing here al is that we are edging dangerously close to north korean kim jong-un level of propaganda adulation Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is the sort of thing that uh, comes with a lot of gaslighting, a lot of, uh, you know, ridiculousness. So, yeah, so I'm not comparing Kim Jong-un to Russell M. Nelson morally or ethically. Those that's not even close. Mm-hmm. That's not even anything that you could say about that. But there there's are a, there's in- a lot more uh, North Koreans than there are LDS members, right? I think there's about 10 million North Koreans. As, uh, oh, members. really? That's it? Yeah, I think there's only maybe 10, maybe 15 million at the most. So, oh, so they're actually comparable. Yeah. Oh dang! I wish I wouldn't. I wish I would have thought or read that up before saying what I said. I, I could now, be wrong. Now about it looks that. even more damning. I, I, <laughs> you know, I could be wrong about that. But what I'm not wrong about is the fact that there's interesting parallels between the dear leader and our beloved prophet. 
Yeah, you know, including because North- the number of people that they govern. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think about this. North Korea, and by extension, Kim Jong-un, they control the state media and therefore the message. And Russell M. Nelson, he ostensibly owns Bonneville Communications, Deseret Book, KSL, The Church News, and therefore he controls the message as well because it's a corporation soul, right? True. Yep, that's exactly what it is. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break for a couple of minutes to get a word from our sponsors. Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much to everyone for for supporting us on Patreon.com. Now, yeah. there's a few similarities between these two, and they could definitely be multiplied, but I'm going to read this. Uh, I pulled these out of uh, uh, out of North Korean uh, propaganda, and then I also corresponded it with the LDS propaganda, and let's see if they're similar. So here's a, about Kim Jong-un. He does the Aeryong Mass Games, which are a stunning spectacle of choreography and synchronicity. That's right. Russell M. Nelson, he does the Conference Center General Conference, where uh, the uh, Mormon Tabernacle Spectacles or BYU Provo Freedom Freedom Festival Spectaculars. Yeah, absolutely. Kim Jong-un, he has many miraculous stories about his birth and life. Yeah, Russell M. Nelson has a miraculous flight of death, inspiring woman with the hat story, the legend of the African bandits, and Scrabble Discernment. I like Scrabble Discernment. I like that one, too. That is very good. Now, Kim Jong-un, he has a portrait in every building. Yeah, Russell M. Nelson does, too. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Now, I, I read that Kim Jong-un is a legendary golfer. He, like, hits a hole in one, at a, at, like, in every hole. As has been reported, uh, Russell M. Nelson, he loves Scrabble, and he's a fisherman. Yeah. Now, Kim Jong-un, you, are, you cannot ever badmouth him in public. No, you can't. Also, with Russell M. Nelson, do not speak evil of the Lord's anointed. True. Kim Jong-un, he, according to uh, North Korean propaganda, he can cure or treat AIDS, Ebola, and many cancers, heart disease, impotence, the common cold. Uh, Russell M. Nelson was a legendary heart surgeon with divine um, priesthood powers, and he even healed Spencer W. Kimball, yeah. another we, prophet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Kim Jong-un, he can control the weather. That's true. Uh, Russell M. Nelson, uh, Elders Ballard and Christofferson have recently claimed the ability to control the weather. Russell M. Nelson hinted at doing similarly in 2019 in Fiji. So. Yes. Yeah. Now, how they just, how the Korean media describes Kim Jong-un, they say that his eyes reflect the strong beams of the gifted great person seeing in the majestic spirit. Ooh. Russell M. Nelson said that he's simple, endearing, empowering, possessing the gift of discernment and energetic. Now, Al, is there any danger in treating or discussing church leaders in the same way that North Korean state media gushes over Kim Jong-un? Is there any danger in that? I guess the the danger comes when you start to acknowledge that uh, Kim Jong-un is essentially the leader of a country that is a cult. Um, So I threw that C word in there. Um, But um, besides that, you know, we don't want to necessarily equate the church with that. But I don't know. Beyond well, that, it just kind of looks uh, looks similar. It's it's incredibly <laughs> similar, especially this week. Now, I'm not comparing them morally or ethically. No, because uh, Kim Jong Un, he starved millions of people. He's killed lots of people. He he's mm-hmm. a, a reprehensible, evil person. So I'm not. I'm just saying that there it, there's a lot of similarities in, in between the way these two yeah. individuals are discussed by their own state controlled media. 
Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, is this ahead. the part? Is this the part where I uh, point out the Russell M. Nelson is not built homeless shelters, so there's been uh, homeless people freezing to death on the streets of his own state, and you know, in, in demanding people pay tithing instead of groceries, so they go hungry. I I, I shouldn't mention that, should I? Um, <laughs> I, I definitely don't think that you still can equate those two morally in any way, shape, or form. No, no, uh, they're. I will say Russell M. Nelson uh, is not openly kidnapping and torturing and murdering people. Yeah. Um, but back to, you know, I wrote all of those uh, those uh, headlines for the church news. You know, mm-hmm. it'd just be great. You know, it would be amazing if I could just get a job at church headquarters writing those articles. That would be so lit. Oh, you'd be great. You got my vote. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> now, I'll give you a reference. <laughs> <laughs> will do. Now, if they won't let me scrawl effulgent, syncophantic articles praising the patriarchy, Maybe I could just be the guy that pushes the dementia-stricken general authorities in wheelchairs around the underground tunnels. Well, that's fun, too. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you get them going up a little too fast. That's right. <laughs> now, but if I can't do either of those, one last job I would love to have would be on the Strengthening Church Members Committee. I know that's shocking, mm-hmm. but, you know, Al, I've always wanted to serve the Lord by snooping on my fellow saints. Oh, you're, you're that kind of neighbor, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Now, that does bring us to our Mormon News up, uh, a Mormon News Roundup question of the week. And do you have that for us, Al? Yeah. So the question of the week, um, how do you feel about this week's four church news articles regarding President Nelson's scientific prowess, scrabble skills, and laudable personal qualities? Yeah. So if you come on over you can uh, to Anchor, you can interact with us on that question. And by the way, if you yeah. could drop us a like, uh, drop us a subscription and rate us with five stars, we'd be very grateful for that. Yes, now, our next, our, our next article here, we are on the heels of that devastating shooting of uh, with Michael Haight in Enoch, Utah, about yeah. two weeks ago. The family mm-hmm. has released a statement after the suspected murder-suicide in Enoch. And this statement is yeah. really causing quite a bit of controversy because of what it says. What does it say? Yeah, so what it says is, um, we appreciate your sentiments, but we, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, this is about the only way that I can summarize this. It's, this is how somebody tweeted out this uh, summary. They said, it's a bummer that my grandkids are dead, but don't make this about guns. No, I oh know that sounds insensitive. Gosh. I know that sounds insensitive, yeah. but if you read the actual statement, it is really, really, it's very, very strange statement. It's a strange statement because this person obviously cares more about their uh, freedom to bear arms and stuff than they care about having their grandkids alive. Uh, and that's, they said, don't make this about politics. But uh, yeah, but then they made it about politics. And, and that's what that's what you I'm know? wondering, because if you actually go and I found Michael hates uh, obituary, if you mm-hmm. go and read his real obituary, the family, yeah. it, it makes it makes it sound like he was just a great, saintly, good Mormon. I'm sure he was up until his wife decided she's leaving him. And then uh, uh, that was just a, a step too far for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of this. This is one of the most puzzling statements yeah. I've ever read, because well, that, that, that's one of those things that says, you know, we know what people are in their public life, but you, you really don't know what people are like in their private life until you get in there behind closed doors. 
Well, that's interesting that you say that because Lindsay Hansen Park um, uh, tweeted this out of her, on her tweet where she was tweeting with one of her um, one of his family members, one of the survivors. Yeah. And um, he, he talked about how uh, he would demand that, uh, that his wife have dinner on the table ready when he got home. No one ate until he took the first bite. If she was preparing dinner and he would call and say that he wanted something else, she had to start over, um, oh that gosh. she threw all the food on the floor. This is tweeted out by Lindsay Hanson Park. Uh, and that no, she can no wonder she uh, filed for divorce as poor lady. That's, yeah, not, he, that's not a loving father or husband. Absolutely not. He supposedly controlled her friendships and what she could or could not do, controlled all the mm-hmm. money. Um, yeah. it, it's just This is a far cry. Uh, yeah. If what Lindsay Hanson Park has tweeted out is correct, that is a far cry from what we read in uh, yeah. his obituary. But why would his family want to prop him up in an obituary like this? I, I don't understand why you're saying, okay, don't make this about politics. Don't make it about guns. And he was just a really great person and leave us all alone. I, yeah, that's weird. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I guess it's, you know, they don't want, maybe uh, to give them the benefit of the doubt, they don't want us to speak evil of the dead. But uh, this guy murdered his whole family. Uh, that bears being mentioned and and all of that whatever virtues they thought he had he kind of wiped them all away with murdering his entire family the other thing that somebody tweeted out um was that they took the family photos and they uh photoshopped out uh Mm -hmm. mr hey brother hate and instead Mm -hmm. they photoshopped jesus into his place i saw that it was kind of creepy yeah i don't know what is going on out there people are weird you know, this is all I can say is that there's been two major Mormon related mass killings in the last couple of months. This one in the Colorado shooting. That's right. But 50 East North Temple, Salt Lake City, Utah has uh, is very, very silent on uh, gun control and taking any leadership. Well, I guess they're respecting the wishes to not make it political, um, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the 14 fundamentals of following a prophet. I thought prophets weren't supposed to be. Uh, I thought yeah. they weren't supposed to be popular. I thought so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move along here. Uh, we got a big, big episodes this yeah. week. Now, this was a very interesting uh, tweet that came out on Reddit here. I guess it's a post. Mm-hmm. And somebody wrote an API script that checked the online appointments for endowment sessions across every single temple that the church oh, wow. owns. And so it shows the appointments and what um, and who is using the uh, temples and how much they are used. And mm-hmm. what was very surprising about this, that there's he also posted the raw data that goes along with this. There's 10,000 pages of raw data that backs mm-hmm. up the claims. And it looks like if you scroll down and we're going to include this in the show notes. But if you scroll through, okay. there is a great deal of temples that are below 20 percent capacity. And in wow. fact, um you know, there's at least at least 21 temples that are operating below 10 percent capacity. And that figure would be even higher if you factor in the temples that were closed for renovation. So maybe mm-hmm. as many as 30 of the temples, there's 170 operating temples, yeah. maybe as many of as 30 of them are operating below 10 percent capacity. This is shocking that uh, they're throwing that much money at building more and more temples and for nothing. I mean, this is, oh, that, what is this? This is like, uh, you know, buying the Hope Diamond and then, you know, putting it in a safe deposit box that you're going to go and look at maybe, you know, once a year. It's it's weird, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just amazing how little these are used. The uh, Saskatchewan Temple, 5%. Uh, Haiti Temple, 5%. Sort of mm-hmm. South Korea, 6%. 
Finland, 6%, Guam Temple, 6%, Samoa Temple, 6%. Uh, and mm-hmm. it goes on. These temples, according to this, and again, this you have to make your uh, appointment to go to an endowment session now through the yeah. appointment scheduler. He wrote a script mm-hmm. that pulls all the appointments. So you're comparing how many seats are available yeah. because it also lists the number of seats by men and women because different temples are different sizes, how many sessions there are, and then mm-hmm. what the appointments are there or for. And remember, not everybody actually fulfills the appointment that they go to. True. So it could be even less. Yeah. So what you're what the it seems like they're trying to do is say oh well we're, our temple's so busy that you have to make an appointment to go to to get a seat in uh, an endowment session when the reality is that they're so not busy that well we got to see if we can condense uh, all these people into the same endowment session that we're going to run one a day or one a week yeah. yeah, and now, according to this information, it looks like the average temple is open mm-hmm. about 13 days a month because yeah. even the big temples, they're closed on Sunday and Monday and there are also mm-hmm. federal holidays. So they're going to be closed about 10 days. So the big temples are open about yeah. 20 days a month, but mm-hmm. the smaller temples are only open on Saturdays and then maybe maybe one, maybe two nights a week. They'd only mm-hmm. be open about 10 days. So the average temple is open about 13 days a month. True. So it, yeah, Al, is such low temple utiliza- utilization, is that normal? Um, uh, compared to what? I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> I, I know that the church has really uh, pushed temple attendance in the past, but it doesn't seem like people are really taking advantage of their, uh, their, uh, shall we say their club membership card, um, that they're paying 10% <laughs> of their income for. Right. So we have a hundred, <laughs> we have 170 operating temples and only 12 of them are being used at least 50% of the time. And I'm, all the rest I'm of the hundred that most of those 12 are in Utah. You know, actually, <laughs> if you look at that, the, the most used temple is Frankfurt, Germany, followed by South really? Carolina, then Laie, Hawaii, then Kansas City, then Raleigh, North Carolina, then oh, San Juan, wow. Puerto Rico. The Utah temples are not being utilized because there's so gosh darn many of them, Al. Yeah, that now that's shocking. Because I would have I like I said, I would have expected all of them to be in Utah. But uh Laie, Hawaii, that makes sense. Frank Frankfurt, Germany being the top one. That's surprising. 98% utilization rate. Yeah, I'm shocked. Well, if I were looking at this graph, I would say, okay, well, Frankfurt, Germany, that looks like Germany needs another temple. Mm-hmm. That would be logically speaking, when something is at max capacity, we build another one. Yeah. If you look at these Utah temples, they're at an extremely low utilization rate, and yet yeah. we're building more. So that's what I'm asking you. If the temple utilization is so low, then why do we need so many more temples, especially if they're so close together? Yeah, especially in Utah, right? Exactly. Uh, that, yeah. Um, I mean, if, the, if Utah's not even in the top 10, it seems ridiculous. seems like Germany could use another temple. IEA could use another temple. Uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah. So like Ochre Mountain is at 44%. Draper, Utah is at mm-hmm. 45%. Cedar City is at like 57%. And that's the highest. Cedar City, yeah. 57%. And that's probably because uh-huh. St. George is being renovated. Yeah. And uh, St. George is also what, like an hour away from Cedar City or something like that? Yeah. Logan Temple yeah. is at 18%. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what Logan is building another temple right nearby at Smithfield, but it's not being utilized in its capacity. Yeah. And, and nor will it be utilized because, I mean, there's also the Brigham City Temple through the canyon from Logan. So, I I mean, even when they do shut down the Logan for renovation in the next few years, I don't see them 
like having a, a lot of use and especially after the renovations are done i don't think that there's going to be a lot of use of the logan uh or the cash valley temples yeah and brigham city is at 35 percent now this is tracking endowment sessions only because there's no way you don't need appointments for initiatories for baptisms for the dead or for anything else so this yeah. is endowments only but the majority of what happens in a temple in my opinion is probably endowments yeah, you know, so it's just it's a real head scratcher, especially if these uh, mm. numbers are accurate, which it seems like they are. And they yeah. could, like I said, it could even be less because a lot of people can make an appointment and then not even go to it. That's right. You, you're seeing sessions in the raw data. You're seeing a lot of these mm -hmm. sessions that have 40 capacity and you'll see one or two people in an entire session. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it's pretty interesting. So uh, I just thought that was a very interesting uh, tweet here. But let's keep on going here because this is, we're going to go too long on this. But yeah. here's the next uh, article here. Um, this was put out on Reddit, too. Uh, uh, this is a very, very interesting article here. Yeah. And it says, uh, what is the title of the article, Al? Uh, it says, uh, you wake up and realize that you are now the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, so uh, what a, do you... A thought experiment, right? Yes, yeah. hypothetical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I, I don't think this is going to happen to either one of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because in order to become president of the church, you have to have been an apostle for around 40 years. Yeah. So we would literally, we're both in our 40s, right? Yeah, for sure. So it's going to be tough, even if we were to be called right now, in mm -hmm. order to make sure that we would have to live fundamentally to be at least 90. So yeah. it's going to be really, really tough. And no one who is, God will not call a prophet who's more than 50 years old. If you're more than 50 mm -hmm. years old, you will never be the prophet. That's period. true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is an th interesting theoretical thought experiment. And I do want to have two quick caveats that go along with this. First of all, okay. if you wake up and you're the president of the church and you try to do something, they can just say, we're not going to listen to you because you haven't, ha you haven't been sustained in general conference. That's okay? true. Okay. So we're going to say that according to Doctrine and Covenants section 26, the law of common consent, which once upon a time used to mean something, mm -hmm. that you have been sustained in, in the last general conference. Okay. So that's the first caveat. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do much. Okay. okay. And number two, the Doctrine and Covenants section 107, the law of co the common council of the church, that's not going to apply. And the common council of the church, that's what was convened to uh, excommunicate Sidney Rigdon. And also it was convened for Joseph Smith by uh, Sylvester Smith after the Zion's camp march. He was acquitted or he was, uh, mm -hmm. he, 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 nothing happened to him. So none of those, yeah. are the, that's not going to apply because you could be removed instantly with the common council. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now here's the questions. I'm giving these to you on the fly here, Al, and yeah. I need your honest answer. What, first of all, what do you do with $150 billion in Enzyme Peak? And, and maybe that's only $100 billion now because the stock market is down. What are you going to do with it? Um, what I would like to do with that is see if I can return a lot of it to the members and uh, like uh, give reparations to, okay. to the descendants of uh, people that have been donating to the church for uh, over a hundred years. Yeah. And how much do you keep in, how much do you keep behind <laughs> in it? Um, I'm looking to liquidate, so I don't think I keep anything. Zero. You're going <laughs> to, yeah. you're going to liquidate yeah. it down to zero. So That's there's right. going to be no rainy day. So the church, if it was, mm -hmm. if there was a problem, the church could be insolvent. You're not even going to keep 5 billion, which is one year's of expenses. You're going to completely melt it. Okay, got it. Now, what do you do with $100 billion in real estate portfolio? You have 400 mission homes, 15,000 chapels, 300 temples. You have the ranches, the commercial real estate, hotels, hospitality, hunting preserves, four BYU campuses, Welfare Square, uh, $1.5 billion City Creek Mall. You have the Polynesian Cultural Center. You have the $260 million industrial park in Kent, Washington, and the $600 million industrial campus coming to Phoenix, Arizona, et cetera. What are you going to do with that uh, real estate portfolio? Okay, so everything that's not uh, potentially used for the benefit of the people, um, like up 
<clears throat> turn the temples into uh, like uh, uh, temples and chapels into homeless shelters and uh, uh, women's uh, uh, what uh, sanctuaries. So uh, like uh, other things like hunting preserves, uh, the college campuses sell them, get rid of uh, all the commercial real estate. Uh, all the hospitality, all the hotels, uh, you know, everything that can't be used for the for charitable purposes, get rid of them. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. Now, we don't, uh, what do you do about the pending sex abuse lawsuits, including the massive Boy Scout class action? We issue an apology and we take care of each and every one of them. Uh, we li- sell all of the Boy Scout uh, properties that we have owned. And all of the uh, massive, because there's a lot of real estate out there that the church is, is holding on to. And I think that uh, just selling off the Boy Scout camps and the, uh, the young women's camps and the church-owned camps, just selling that off would be enough to take care of uh, paying uh, the, the penalties to these victims and also to provide them with counseling and uh, therapy to help them through it. Very well. What do you do regarding the role of women in the church? Uh, I'd make them completely equal with uh, priesthood members by doing away with the priesthood and disbanding church, uh, getting rid of their weekly meetings. Okay. What do you do to address LGBTQ Latter-day Saint issues? Um, Issue a very formal apology. um, And I think that there should be some sort of a, a uh, statue erected or some sort of memorial erected to all the victims of the LBS church who have committed suicide in the LGBTQ community or, or cha- even those that were kicked out. Do you change anything at the BYUs? If so, how? Oh yeah. Get rid of the co- the colleges. They're completely useless. Got it. Now, how do you change CES? There's 9,000 seminary and institutes. There's 15 church-owned schools. There's 50,000 employees and 700,000 students. What are you going to do with CES? Uh, let those employees go and work in the public sector or other private uh, charter school sector. Get rid of CES. Completely disband them. Okay. Now, what? Uh, any doctrines that you want to change uh, that come to mind? Yeah, get rid of all of them. Okay. What about policies? Uh, yep. Um, I'm looking to just completely uh, scorch the earth here. So okay. I'm getting now, rid of all of it. Do you keep anything? No. Well, I, uh, here, here's one thing I might do is uh, keep, uh, not necessarily keep an ownership of the church. But, uh, okay. So, so let's say that we've turned all of the chapels that the church owns into like homeless shelters. Um, and c- I would turn them into community centers as well. How about this? We'll turn the tabernacles into community centers. Places where the community can come and gather uh, once a week or once a month and, you know, where they can do different activities and they can just meet together and mingle and, uh, you know, have some uh, some communication and some uh, socialization. OK, what do you do about the word Mormon? Uh, no, certainly don't ban it. I mean, that's kind of the <laughs> it's a word that it's there. To, I think, uh, you know, release uh, release any ban on it that's been put on. Okay, now uh, your first meeting, you're meeting with uh, Dallin H. Oaks. What do you do in your first meeting? Because uh, you're the prophet now. Press charges? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you going to do that? That makes no sense. That's, that's a good question. How, how do you, that makes no sense, but we got to keep going. Now, yeah. this is the most important. Now, this, <laughs> this is just a thought experience. Okay, thought experience. <laughs> press charges. That makes no sense. Now, finally, and most importantly, how do you help the BYU football program regain, regain greatness? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think uh, you're going to have to get, uh, let's see, uh, new uh, 
new leadership, new uh, so you're gonna need new coaches, new quarterbacks. Uh, you're gonna need a, a stronger team. Yeah, you're gonna bring Ken New Matalo on. Um, not necessarily. <laughs> okay. he, he's, yeah. he, he's welcome to interview. <laughs> okay. okay. Very well. Okay. That's an interesting thought experiment, which I hadn't really yeah. considered. Uh-huh. Now, um, now that does bring us to our Mormon news up roundup, our Mormon news roundup poll of the week, which is available mm-hmm. only on anchor. And do you have our question for the poll of the week out? Yeah. The question for this week is, or the question for the poll is what would be your top priority if you woke up and realized that you are now the president of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. Is it number one? Number one, call Brad Wilcox into a mission presidency in Siberia or Easter Island or Antarctica. You know, it could, that's, <laughs> that could be that could be some people's first order of business. You know that? It could be, yeah. Or what about number two? Uh, number two, bring back the Miss Indian BYU pageant. Yeah, the man. That, yeah. You know they ran that until 2006, Al? Yes, I do know. That's, uh, that's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know why they got rid of it? I don't know. Why, why did they get rid of it? Well, it's because, you know, in order to uh, enter the uh, pageant, you had to have your DNA tested. But by 2006, you know, oh. the Lamanites and the DNA. Yeah, that's right. So everybody was coming off with like Mongolian ancestry. Yeah, they, you know, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that, that's Not, why they had uh, to fold it up there. Yeah, that's it wasn't Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah. How about number three? Okay, number three is to dust off Oliver Cowdery's holy dowsing rod out of the restricted First Presidency vault to see how it works. Man, that would be sweet. Especially with the shortage of water in Utah. That's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) How about number four? Number four, personally author an inspirational 36-page Gospel Topics essay on Diet Coke consumption. Ooh. Oh, I like that. That would be nice. <laughs> you know, sign that yourself, you know, There'll just end the controversy. Revolt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just end the controversy. Or yeah. is your top priority number five? To announce a lunar temple to finally fulfill that famous prophecy ordered recorded by Oliver B. Huntington in his journal. Now, what will was be, that? Do you remember that? That there will be temples on the moon. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, it was I think it was a missionary call. I yeah. think it was a patriarchal blessing. See, I think it was Joseph Smith. I have to go back and look this up. It was mm-hmm. Joseph Smith giving a patriarchal blessing where he promised whoever was receiving it that they would preach to the inhabitants on the moon who were six feet tall and uh, looked uh, had the appearance of, of Quakers. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so those Quakers are going to need a lunar temple. Of course um, they will. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or uh, is your top priority number six? To rename the Book of Mormon to the Book of Moroni's Dad. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That won't be a so that way it won't be a victory for Satan anymore. That's right. Yeah, it, yeah. Then everybody can read it. Okay, makes yeah, sense. Moroni is not a victory for Satan. No, no, no. Absolutely His dad not. Is. That is correct. You, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is, that's correct. Okay, uh-huh. or is it number seven? To text the Mormon News Roundup crew on your Jitterbug flip phone for guidance and support. That you know, if you wake I up, could and see that yeah. yeah, well, if you wake up and you realize you're president of the church, we're here for you, right? That's right. Yeah, I think most of those uh, general authorities, I, I don't see them using an iPhone. I do see them using that jitterbug flip phone. Yes, for sure. Now, which, so, so, okay, what would be your top priority? Al, out of this uh, seven selections, what would be your top priority uh, according to this seven? Oh, man. Um, 
I really like the dousing rod, but I think I'm going to go with rename the Book of Mormon to the Book of Moroni's dad. Let's just keep going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, that's the, that's our poll of the week. Yeah. If you come on over to Anchor, you can interact with us there. By the way, we also have some a bonus content on Patreon. If you like what you hear and you want to support this podcast, feel free to you can support us on Anchor by giving us a donation, mm-hmm. or you can come on over to Patreon and we have a couple of levels of tier subscriptions. And we're yeah. getting ready to wrap this up here, Al. We only have one last article left here. Yep. But uh, the church has lost a lot of money lately, hasn't it? It has been leaking like a sieve. Yep. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, it's losing billions over the yeah. last uh, th- last three straight quarters in a row. Ensign Peak Advisor stock portfolio is now uh, valued at only forty billion dollars, well ahead mm-hmm. of its pandemic low, but behind mm-hmm. its fifty-two billion dollar peak. True. You yeah. know, the widow's might is really taking a beating, isn't it? Yeah, I'll say it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, is it time to put Enzyme Peak on the prayer roll? It might be. I think that uh, then members should probably do it. Can't hurt, right? You know, you can put it on the prayer. You can do that online now, by the way. Oh, good. We should do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just a real quick thought experiment, by the way. What happens if you put the word Mormon on the prayer roll? Oh, I wonder if those little uh, shaving white shaving kits that they keep the uh, the the names in will uh, just like incinerate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's burst into flames on the altar. And to our listeners out there, please, this is not a joke. Please don't do that. We don't want to see no. what happens. Anything could happen. That's right. We don't know. We, we don't know. I, I thought it's not find out. You we know, don't need a victory for Satan in the temple. No, we don't. So, you know, let's just a real quick caveat on this article is that the Salt Lake Tribune article uh, and the church is only reporting on the domestic disclosures of Enzyme Peak. You'll notice in all of the stocks that it's talking about, every single one of those is in the Dow Jones. But the Washington Post and David Nielsen, the whistleblower, they estimate mm-hmm. Enzyme Peak at $100 billion because there's many other uh, parts of Enzyme Peak, which the yeah. church does not disclose, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me just ask you this question. Does the Lord bless the companies his church holds stock in? Or does he send the rain on the just and the unjust? Um, well, from what we've seen, he does not bless the companies his church holds stock in. He's uh, sending rain on everybody. Wow, that is surprising, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I would just expect that whatever the church, w- wouldn't the Lord want his only church to have as much money as possible and therefore he would bless those companies? Wouldn't he inspire yeah. the heads of Ensign Peak to invest mm-hmm. stocks in the companies that would do best? Well, if, according to the uh, prosperity doctrine, yeah, you would. You know, that's the problem, though, is that the Dow Jones is, is down over the last three quarters. The Dow Jones is down 21 percent, but Ensign Peak it's down 23% in the same stretch. So if you were to just throw darts at the wall of the Dow Jones and mm-hmm. pick those stocks and buy them, you'd yeah. get down 21%, but Enzyme Peak is down 23%. Yeah. So this is uh, a little bit bizarre because now we've got to ask ourselves, what has the church done in the last couple of years to lose the favor of the Lord? Um, it's just, it's a, it's a great mystery to me. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, but let me also let me get this straight out and tell me if I, my thinking yeah. is off on this. For every one dollar in tithing that I give to the church, they're losing 23 cents of it. That's worse than taxes. <laughs> or am I being myopic or is that basically no, what we're seeing? That's that's what we're seeing. And in fact, we'd probably do better if we had the church paying taxes. If we had all churches paying taxes, you know, that would be a huge influx of of money into the uh, into the market. Well, it'd be better if instead of, uh, you know, whatever we're invested in now, if you literally just threw d- uh, darts at the wall and pick those yeah. stocks and bought them, mm-hmm. you'd be doing yeah. better than what we're doing now. Yeah. So, I mean, the spirit of prophecy um, is not in Enzyme Peak. 
that's what I that's what I'm saying. Okay, so the three biggest stock holdings in Enzyme Peak are Apple, Microsoft, Amazon. Those are over a billion dollars mm-hmm. each. Yeah. And Enzyme Peak, it will not invest into anything that the church doesn't believe in, including tobacco companies and not even diet mm-hmm. like a, a Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, because they those get, are, did they get rid of those? No, they've never invested in those. Oh, because, they didn't. Okay. Yeah, you got to avoid the very, very appearance of evil. That's right. <laughs> now, so this is my question, Al. Theoretically, should members pay less tithing when Ensign Peak is tanking, but more when it is doing well? Because you're giving money now to the church, and it's losing that money. Shouldn't you just say that tithing, give give that back tithing and more when Ensign Peak is doing well? Uh, I think this is a little callback to our uh, discussion earlier about what would you do if you woke up as uh, the president of the church? <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. that. I think uh, that would be fair. Well, but. it would be smart. The smartest thing to do from a fiscal perspective mm-hmm. is to buy more when you're doing well and then yeah. buy less when you're not doing well. Exactly. Okay. So I thought the church was supposed to be smart with this money, but um, mm-hmm. if everybody just pays the same amount, I don't think that's the smartest thing. And let me just ask you this last last couple of questions here. If okay. Enzyme Peak is consistently outperforming the Dow Jones, is that an argument for a divine mandate? Likewise, if Enzyme Peak is underperforming the Dow, is that an argument for the lack of a divine mandate? Uh, like I said, I, I think that's uh, it. When it comes to the prosperity doctrine, that's kind of what it's saying. It's that either it's led by a divine uh, inspiration or it's not, and it doesn't seem like it is. Um, have we ruminated properly on the great and spacious beehive here, Al? I think so. This has been a very exciting episode this week. So thank you all for joining us. Now, we have some huge guests and shows coming up. First of all, next week, we have Evan from the Book of Evan on next week. We have Chino Blanco, the oh, the moderator of R Mormon and RX Mormon Reddits. He's going to be on on the January 29th. We have Landon Brophy from the Good Book Club on February 5th. And we have the Alternative Mormon on February 12th. And the Midnight Mormons, all three of them have confirmed, Al, February 19th. That is going to be a day that will live in infamy. Yes, it will, for sure. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Does that uh, wrap us up for this week? Yes, sir. All right. We want to give a shout out to Weird Alma for this episode's music. And thank you all so much again for ruminating with us on the Great and Spacious Beehive. And remember, remember, no unhallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's Church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.